Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Tyler Foley, and he is an accomplished film and stage performer and has been acting in film and television since he was six years old. His appearances range from Freddy vs. Jason, Door to Door, Carrie, and the musical Ragtime. Tyler is passionate about helping others confidently take the stage and impact an audience with their stories. He is currently the managing director of Total Buy-In, and author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked. With his distinct and direct style, Tyler is emerging as one of North America's sought-after leaders in the field of public speaking for personal and professional development. He's here today with us to discuss the lessons he's learned and the grace he has discovered in each event of his life. Tyler, welcome to the show. Oh, Lance, it's my joy and my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be inside the firm. Heck yeah, you're here, buddy. Well, one of the things that stuck out when I was kind of, when I was learning more about you leading up to this interview today was stuff that happened in your early life. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your early life and and relate, if you could relate it to what led you to film and television at such an early age? Um, So I started on stage. Uh, Film and television evolved later in my later teens, which I suppose is still early in life. But for me, it was like eons after I started with the craft. Um, But really what pushed me towards uh, stagecraft and and acting and performing was uh, a recognition within myself that it's just what I was. You know, when I was growing up, I was always the kid who was putting on the plays for the relatives. I remember getting a magic set when I was like three or four years old, like really, really young, very simplistic magic. And, uh, and being fascinated by it and showing all my relatives the tricks, you know, making a dime disappear into my hand. And, and I would do the song and the dances and I would just lip sync and, and just do this performance stuff. And when I was six years old, uh, my father unfortunately passed away uh, in a single mu- motor vehicle accident, um, lone occupant. And he, he just he ended up crashing into a, a concrete structure and, you know, 1983 k-car v four foot concrete structure the k-car definitely lost that and when my father passed i mean i was young right Mm -hmm. at six years old it's really hard to understand or conceptualize the finality of death and subsequently i didn't i i I wasn't emotionally shut off but i didn't openly grieve my father's passing and stage became an outlet for me to explore and discover emotions. And so my family really encouraged me to go into stage. And uh, so I started acting very, very young. And then film and television is the natural evolution from that. (laughs) When you are performing at a very young age, um, particularly for myself, I went to a fine arts high school and performance became, you know, the everything. It was the goal. And at that point, you know, you can continue through on stage and be a starving actor for your entire life. In fact, it was a, 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 an email account that I had for a long time was the starving actor. Um, or you can move into film and television and start to make um, 
substantially more money in a shorter amount of time to be able to sustain the theatrical love. Like everybody, everybody, I don't care who you are in Hollywood. Everybody wants to get back on stage. There's something magical about a live performance. But the reality is, you know, stage does not pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Film and television does. So it, at 17, 16, 17, I really transitioned out of primarily being a stage performer into a film and television performer who then got to dabble with stage. And, uh, and it was a really wonderful experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had that outlet. Uh, I can mm-hmm. imagine it was probably, I mean, to give yourself a little bit of credit here, I think, you know, six is a very early age. You try to process something, maybe that traumatic. Um, I mean, even adults have trouble processing, you know, very difficult things. Right. So there's a lot, lot to unpack there. Um, but I also understand that you've dabbled a little bit in some other industries as well. Um, oil and gas, I think, and aviation. So other stuff like that. What did you do in those industries? And then, and then what, what did it lead you back to film, television, stage, and kind of where you're at now with speaking and stuff? Everything leads me back to the stage. The stage is like the mob. I try to leave and it just brings me back <laughs> in. Um, and yes, no. So the, the thing with being an actor and a performer, and I was very lucky. Um, from the time I was 19 to about 23, 24, it was the only vocation that I had. I was a full-time actor. And a lot of people don't have the luxury of saying that, you know, you go to Hollywood, everybody's an actor, but right. You ask your waiter what they do and they say that they're an actor. You Mm -hmm. ask the guy who's shining your shoes, what he does. He's an actor. Right. You ask your lawyer or your accountant and she'll tell you that she's an actor in Hollywood. So everybody's an actor, but they also do something else, you know. And so for me to kind of keep things going, keep things interesting and make ends meet, I was always doing other jobs. I, um, I worked for the Crown Prosecutor as, a, as just a, a, an assistant uh, so in, in law, as you mentioned, I was in aviation. One of the greatest jobs that I ever had was actually working for one of the national airlines here in Canada because it allowed me to have flight passes. So I could actually fly across mm. Canada to audition. I could fly down to the States to audition uh, on a very cheap budget. So it, it opened up my ability. I was always somebody who was looking for an edge in acting because what I, I don't think a lot of people understand is that talent is not what gets you a role. You know, if you look at some of those behind the scenes castings, like people who didn't make a role or got cast in a role and then were replaced, it had nothing to do with the fact that they were or weren't talented. Those people went on to do other things. Talent Mm -hmm. wasn't what got them the role. It fit and circumstance and a lot of other things go into actually booking a role. If you didn't have talent, you wouldn't have an agent. If you didn't have talent, you wouldn't get an audition because the casting directors wouldn't bring you in. So what I needed was an advantage to uh, be in more places and audition more than the other people in my peer group. And that was working for an airline because then if I Mm -hmm. needed to work local, I could fly to Toronto. I could fly to Calgary. I could fly to uh, to LA while being based in Vancouver and just show up in person because then they believe that you can, actually work local as opposed to the self tape. And it just, it created an advantage. And then on top of that, I got to fly all over the world. So I didn't just do it acting. It sounds glamorous, but when your most expensive flight is $112 to get to Sydney, Australia, 
And I had friends who lived in Australia. So I would literally on days off, I would arrange my schedule. We worked a a four day on four day off shift. And every once in a while I would trade a four day shift. So I'd work a, a double and then I'd get my four days off plus my four days off. And then another four days off. That's 12 hours, you know, 12 days that you get off and it's a, a one day flight down to Australia. So I would go down to Australia, hang out for 10 days, come back. And it cost me barely a hundred bucks, less than a hundred dollars US because <laughs> I'm talking Canadian wow. dollars. Yeah. And so it created just this uh, amazing lifestyle for me. So aviation was wonderful. Oil and gas was, is another one that's, I live in basically Texas North mm-hmm. here in Alberta. Uh, most people, when they think of Alberta, think of the Calgary stampede and the oil sands and I am smack dab in Calgary. So I'm surrounded by both. Um, and so it was one of those things that it's just prevalent in my life as I've become a safety consultant, oil and gas is my primary client. So I've, I've, as you had said, dabbled in a lot. I feel like Mike Myers at the beginning of, um, Wayne's world when he's Mm -hmm. walking through his house and he says, let me put it to you this way. I've had a lot of jobs in my life, nothing I'd call a career. I have an extensive collection of hairnets and name tags. And I feel <laughs> like that. That's cool, though. It makes you, I think, obviously, it's got to help, uh, again, back to stage, right? Well-rounded. It gives, it gives you all these different life experiences. And I'm sure uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're good at personal interaction, improv is just part of what you do without even knowing improv, right? Uh, yes. So, in, in, yeah. To what is uh, what event in your? I want to move to some bigger questions because I, I feel like you're one of these guests where I could just tee you up, and you're you're so good at speaking that you'll just give us some gold here. What event in your life do you think has had the biggest positive impact on you? Uh, biggest positive impact? Um, well, I can think of I five off the top of my head, but as soon as you said it, the first one that popped into my mind was the medical incident that I had at 17 that paralyzed me for a year. Um, I woke up New Year's Day, 1997, and the left side of my body didn't work. To this day, we're not sure what it was, whether it was a palsy, mini stroke, what um, there, you know, if it was one or the other, I wouldn't have various symptoms. So something happened within my body that stopped the left side of my body working for nearly a year. And it would sound tragic, but it gave me an unbelievable drive to push forward in all things in my life. Um, Particularly at that point, I was still in the fine arts high school. I was in my senior year. I had to withdraw from the play that I was in, which stopped me from actually graduating from my fine arts school because you needed to complete that the senior year production in order to gain the credits to graduate from the school. So I have my um, high school diploma, but I never did graduate from the school that I was intending to. And that really motivated me to do something because I was at that time a big fish in a very, very tiny pond. And I'd become very complacent with my craft and I would I really didn't I would dial in a lot of performances like just you know you just phone it in like just yeah whatever and I would show up and I wouldn't even memorize scripts half the time I would I would do the memorization work usually on the day showing up in the trailer which is just viciously unprofessional Mm -hmm. and and having that taken away first of all gave me it gave me a drive to get better 
So I don't know that I would have recovered from it if I didn't have something to work towards. But having something to work towards then gave me a drive to never have it lost again. Uh, and it also gave me perspective on when to step away from the craft. So I actually did retire mm. from acting at 25 because I had felt the complacency slip back in, but I wasn't willing to compromise my integrity, my morals or the craft uh, by slipping back into old patterns or old habits. So that one moment really changed everything. And then the next, that, that retiring is what, had me then focus full time on the airline and still enjoy those benefits of flight. And if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have met my wife who I actually met in an airport waiting standby to get back from Toronto between Toronto and Calgary, which has um, forever changed my life. So it's weird how all those signposts knock you into where you need to be in your life. And uh, I am forever grateful for the airline, for what they did to me, because my life has been forever impacted by my wife. That's an amazing story. Providence. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. everywhere all the time. What? Uh, let's go to the opposite side of the thing, uh, of, the, of, the, of the course here. What, what event in your life do you think is at the biggest negative impact on you? Uh, I, I got to be honest. I don't think any event has had a negative impact. And I say that because I'm a firm believer in the laws of physics, for one, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so you look at things like um, my paralyzation at 17, my father's passing at six, uh, my business collapsing at 31. All of those things had negative initial consequences. I lost my wife and I built our dream home in 2014 because I got this huge contract working in oil and gas, making oil and gas money. My wife had just been promoted within her building firm. And as uh, an architectural technologist and pro, uh, project manager, she was able to build our home. The dream home on the dream lot that came available, all the stars aligned. I had this big contract. She had been promoted within work. Uh, to a senior position. And we were able to build this beautiful home in mid uh, 2014 that we took possession of uh, towards the end of 2015, just before uh, the economy collapsed. And the price of oil tanked. Mm -hmm. Um, The economy, particularly in Alberta, and more specifically in Calgary was decimated. And almost overnight we lost our house oh my goodness and i I mean that crushed me on top of it we have when we moved in we found out that we were pregnant so not only Hmm. did we have a, a child on the way but you know i lost my job jen went on mat leave we had this impending human life to take care of and no home And that on the surface could be very negative, but I wouldn't have my company today if it weren't for that. And we wouldn't have the house that we're in right now, which is not the same house, but I I would not have, I wouldn't have the studio to have, or the time freedom to be, have this discussion with you, Lance, and to serve Mm -hmm. the guests on inside the firm. None of this would be in place if I hadn't had 
that house taken away. We'd very likely be house poor if we were continuing to, to try and service that mortgage debt. And now, you know, we are the exact opposite. We have a very affordable mortgage in a beautiful home that my wife was able to renovate as opposed to build. Um, my daughter is uh, able to go to a private school. And I don't say that in any kind of bragging manner, but I, we sh I certainly would not have been able to afford it if we had maintained um, the trajectory that we were, we were at before with that house. So yes, there have been plenty of things that I could look back on my life and say they, they were negative, but I, I can't view it. I just, I simply don't see it that way because I know in my heart that everything worked out the way that it needed to, and I'm better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you, when you, it seems like you have, you're sort of like me, we, we look back, but it's not like we dwell in the past. We just recognize how maybe things that happened opened our eyes, opened, opened new doors, and we moved ahead and forged ahead. And so now you're up to, you're a professional speaker and a trainer, mm -hmm. and you use those things to inspire people to help reach for their dreams. Tell us how you inspire people. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm flattered first of all, but I don't know that I inspire people. What I do is encourage people. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that I wrote my book was to download 35 years of public speaking experience into a, a manageable medium so that people who were coming up to me on a fairly regular basis saying, how do you do what you do? Meaning, how do you go up in public speak and just be uh, confident and be able to do it? Um, I simply, you know, I was saying the same things over and over again. And so it was just easier to, to write a book to do it. And then more people wanted to, to actually have that hands-on training. And my job right now is to be a whisper of encouragement. And maybe it's inspirational. I don't know. I'd like to me, inspiring is like the speech in Braveheart when Mel Gibson asks everybody to fight for their freedom. You know, that's inspiring. That, that, that stands you up and you go, yes, I'm charged and I'm ready to go. What I like to think of myself as is, um, you know, Rocky's coach in the corner, right? Come on, Rocky, you got this. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I'm just there uh, to reset you every couple of minutes, tell you how you're doing, tell, give you a strategy here and there to, to get back on your feet, get up, get in the ring, and understand that you are, you are the authority that you have the ability to go and do it. So I'm not there to inspire you. I'm there to give you the, the push and the whisper to just say, hey, try this thing and you'll see how you, mm -hmm. tell me how it goes, mm -hmm. see how it works out. And, and really all that came about, um, it's that natural evolution of everything that I've done. You know, you start on the stage, then you move into film and television, you dabble in stunts, you get some of these other vocations under your belt, just forging through in life, you know, from photogrammetry to aviation, to law, to safety and all these things that I've done have given me a very diverse field of influence. And all these people keep coming to me saying, well, you know, can you show me how to do this one thing? And that one thing being speak in public. And if that's been a constant, like when I worked for the airline, I was the dude that did the announcements to tell you where to go and find your luggage because nobody else wanted to do them. Mm -hmm. And eventually people would say, well, how do you, how can you just do that? 
I'm like, well, it's real easy. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> telling people information that they know how difficult it is to say <laughs> passengers coming off of flight 135, you will find your luggage on carousel number two. Don't look for big stuff there. It's over in the corner here. Mm -hmm. And if you're transitioning on to an international destination, you still have to claim your bags here, even though they're tagged on to your next destination. Like, just give them the information. It's not hard. But a lot of people would freeze up on the mic, and yeah, I, yeah. I didn't understand it. So I had to reverse engineer why it was that I was so comfortable with it. And it all comes back to the fact that I was on stage at six. Mm -hmm. yep. There is no... Anybody who has a young child knows that children have no fear. Fear is a learned behavior. And if you're never told to be afraid of the stage, you're not. And the first time I experienced stage fright, I was 14. You know, And so by the time I experienced it, it wasn't this traumatic experience. It was this thing where I went, huh, why did that happen? Hmm. You know, and I was able to analyze it because I've had so much positive reinforcement about how the stage can be this wonderful, beautiful, supportive, loving, giving, creative space. Like all of those things are amazing. So there's one time where I panicked because I got stared down by a veteran at a Remembrance Day ceremony. <laughs> it was just a blip in what is otherwise a positive time for me and passing that on to other people so that they understand that they can gain confidence through competence. And the only way to get competent is through experience. The only way to get experience is to seek out these things that frighten you, do them until they don't frighten you anymore. 100%. And that's, that's all of that I focused on with my training. Yeah, I love it. And I just can't emphasize enough to the, to the audience how if you can get over that fear of public speaking, how powerful it is for, for you and then also everybody else. I mean, people have so much good in themselves to be able to spread to everybody else, even if it's just through encouragement, like you said, Tyler, and then maybe that ends up being inspiring because of the positivity that you're just outflowing and, and hopefully that everybody's receiving. Well, and I'll let you in on a secret. The, you know, it's a statistic that gets thrown around a lot. There were 77% of Americans um, or North Americans express some form of anxiety around public speaking. The reality is, is that gets confused with a fear of public speaking. People say that they're afraid of public speaking and they're not. If we as a society were afraid of public speaking, society as itself would crumble. It couldn't mm -hmm. exist. I couldn't talk to you. We could not have this conversation. I couldn't order food from a restaurant. Banking and commerce would collapse. Like we couldn't have, you'd never be able to go to a grocery store. We are constantly speaking in public. So this, this notion that we're afraid to do it is, is not correct. The reality is we're actually afraid of public judgment. We're afraid that if we are receiving the spotlight and somehow all the attention is on us, the things that we're going to say or if we express our beliefs, our emotions, our desires, that they are going to be negatively received and therefore we just keep them inside so that we don't have to face that judgment and possible rejection. And that's really what needs to be tackled. And as you said, the great gift of being able to overcome that is if I speak those truths, I have the ability to influence and impact somebody else's life. And that is one of the greatest gifts that you can be given yourself and that you can give to someone else. And that's why I've made it my mission to use this mouth of mine and these boyish good looks yeah. for good. Because that's, this is the one gift that I've been given. And I'm so blessed to have it. And I think it's a shame that other people don't. Because I don't understand how it can't possibly be. 
Yeah. Let's talk about how you help give people that gift. Maybe we can move on to your book. So the book is called The Power to Speak Naked. Unpack that title for us. Obviously, yep, there it is right there. Uh, for people that are watching on YouTube, uh, tell us about the title. Obviously, it's sort of this playing off this cliche about, you know, imagine yourself speaking naked. And if you're comfortable being naked on stage, theoretically, you're good to go. Yeah. Well, it, it's actually more poking fun at the, the worst advice that you can give any speaker. And oh. That is to picture your audience naked uh, yeah. or in their underwear. Like I've heard that all the time and it's just such a, a redactive and, and unnecessary exercise. In fact, I would, I would strongly encourage anybody who wants to get over the fear of public speaking to never try that technique <laughs> because it will, it will not serve you well. Mm -hmm. um, but so the, the title is kind of tongue in cheek at that. Uh, came about because when we were brainstorming names for the title, uh, one of my team had had mentioned that bit of advice, and I went off on this massive tirade that finished with the statement that I would rather empower somebody and give them the power to speak naked than ever have them attempt to try and picture their audience naked. And everybody kind of went, well, that could be a good title. Mm -hmm. And then as we unpacked it, on a, on a deeper level, I want people to have the ability to give a presentation raw. You know, the, you don't need the PowerPoint. You don't need a podium. You don't need a stage. You don't need uh, an AV system, uh, graphics, props. You should be able to do what you and I are doing right now. You know, you have an audience that regularly tunes into Inside the Firm. Um, and you and Alex have this great ability to keep an audience's attention. And if they're not watching on YouTube, they're listening on a platform, which means any of the visuals, including me showing the book right now, is null and void to them. What they need to, in order for them to truly understand what we're talking about, I need to tell them that, you know, the cover is a very simplistic white background book that has a naked dude on it and the power to speak naked splashed in, in red and white. And now they start to understand what we're referencing when we start to talk about the book, but they, I shouldn't need the prop mm -hmm. up until, you know, we've been talking now for a half an hour and your audience didn't need to see the visual to know what the book was about. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want to give people the ability to do is to give a raw presentation, to be able to instantaneously command their audience and understand that an audience is two or more people. As soon as you're speaking to two or more people, you have an audience. One person is still an audience, but two is a crowd. And as soon as you've got two or more people, you have a, a, a captivated crowd. So how do you keep them engaged? You don't need all this fancy. So let's give them a raw presentation. And then on a, a truly sub level, the power to speak naked speaks to your ability to be vulnerable, to expose the raw naked truth and truly express those things that maybe you're afraid to say. Because the things that you're afraid to say are likely what your audience needs to hear. And that's where we have the most impact because that's where we gain empathy. That's where we uh, have sympathy. That's how we really tell a compelling story is by getting into the nitty gritty, giving details and exposing some of those things about ourselves that we keep guarded 
And in showing vulnerability, that's where you have authenticity because authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. And in order for you to truly have impact, you need to know who you are at your core and then be willing to expose that uh, to your audience so that they feel that they are part of your journey as opposed to just a witness to. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I encourage everybody to uh, go take a look at that book. Where can pe- people can find it anywhere? Is there a specific oh, yeah, place you'd like yeah, to go? It, uh, it would be great, um, particularly for the U.S. audience, if they could go to bookshop.org. Okay. And I know, so here's the great thing about bookshop.org. You can go to Jeff Bezos' site, right? Like it's available on that. It's available on uh, Barnes & Noble. Pick your online store. Uh, it's available online. But I would encourage people to actually go into a bookstore because bookstores are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. If they're like, nope. I am not leaving my house. I've been isolating for 18 months and I'm not changing that at any time soon. That's fine. You still have the freedom and flexibility of online shopping if you go to bookshop.org, but it connects you with your local book retailer. Jeff just went to space in a phallic-shaped rocket. He's got enough money. We don't need to be sending him for more titles, right? So regardless of what book you want, I mean, if it's from the Harry Potter series to my book, The Power to Speak Naked, by all means, please continue to read. Like let's encourage literacy, but get it from bookshop.org because it will connect you with your local book retailer. They also um, save a percentage of their funds in a, uh, in basically a charity pool that they then give to local book retailers to help keep them afloat so they can apply to that. So I think to date they've raised over $15 million to give back to local book retailers. And if you go to bookshop.org, you can actually get my, my book for a dollar or so cheaper. Mm. So save yourself some money, support your local mom and pop shop and still have the freedom and flexibility of shopping online. So bookshop.org is where I, I would have everybody go. Um, but I mean, they can get it anywhere. Walk in, it, please, please, please walk to your store, go talk to your local book merchant and, uh, and pick up the title there. If they don't have it in, just ask them to stock it because it's available worldwide. Brilliant. One last question I like to ask everybody, Tyler, is uh, knowing what you know now and if you could go back in time to when you first started um, your career that you have now, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself? To trust my instinct. Um, there is a real and true connection from mind, heart, and gut. Um, I've recently been introduced to a wonderful study called Heart Math by a good friend of mine, Brandy Sador, who is a heart math practitioner. And I encourage a lot of people to look into that just because uh, particularly if you want to really truly explore public speaking as, as a vocation or as, as even just a way to in, increase your influence in a professional capacity. You know, um, my wife was terrified of public speaking for a long time. And I, luckily she's married to me. <laughs> I was able to help support her. But as, you know, as a career professional in the home building industry, it's one of the things that she really had to tackle and conquer in order to further her profession. Um, it, it's a known fact that your ability to public speak has a direct impact on your earning potential and your ability to get promotions. And the thing that was holding her back was her um, comfort in the shadows, mm. that she wasn't really willing to step into her greatness for uh, a long time. Despite everybody else seeing it in her, she just didn't want to be that public-facing figure. It's still very hard to get her to do that. I know I get a lot of requests um, from shows to have my wife on because I brag about her all the time. Mm -hmm. And I will ask her, I'll be like, 
honey, do you want to come and do this thing? And she's like, you know, my answer on that. So I don't know why you asked. <laughs> and so, you know, I just, we, we keep it with that, but I, you know, I, I feel it's kind of like a, a lawyer always has to present to their client, the mm-hmm. offer that's on the table. I, um, I always feel that, you know, maybe one day she'll change her mind or maybe the show will be ideal or right. So I always ask her, but I would encourage everybody to look into heart math because there is a connection from mind, heart, and gut. Your heart and your stomach actually have neurons within Mm -hmm. them. They they are thinking entities, Mm -hmm. but they're thinking on a subconscious level. And this study has shown how your mind, when it's in a conscious level, can really mess with the biorhythms within yourself, uh, particularly electromagnetic pulses. And when you're all three are in connection, or at least the two heart and mind, that um, that's when you find the most clarity. That's when you find the most peace, uh, harmony, whatever you want to call it. And any time that I have struggled in my career or in my personal life, it's when my heart and mind have been in conflict. And if mm-hmm. I'd have understood the ability to take a moment and reset and find out and get them actually in line so that my heart is doing the decisions as opposed to my conscious mind, um, that I would have been served a lot better because in the end, my heart is always right. My gut reaction is always right. Mm -hmm. So if I could give myself a bit of advice earlier on, it would be to trust that gut instinct. Um, and, uh, and now that I've been introduced to heart math, it is my goal to get everybody else introduced to heart math. So research for the inside the firm audience. I love that. That was great. Uh, Tyler, this has been an absolute joy having you on the show today. You are everything I was hoping for um, and more. Where can people find and follow you if they'd like to keep up with you and, and, and what, you're, what you got going on? Oh, we got all the socials, but the quickest way to find them is on my website, which is seantylerfoley.com. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N. T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. And if they go there, I've got all the social links. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Pick your poison. I'm on there. Splashing my pretty face around, promoting the book, telling people to listen to Inside the Firm and, you know, all the stuff there. So SeanTylerFoley.com is the quickest way to track me down. And then they can link with me through all the social media that way. Beautiful. Thanks again for being on the show, Tyler. It was a great pleasure. My pleasure, Lance. All right. Ciao.